Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. On today's show, we're continuing looking at positions as they were drafted with Mr. Parker Hurley. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Also on Twitter, if you guys have any questions about any of these guys in terms of Dynasty Leagues, any Fantasy League, or just implications on how they might fit in, you know, a little bit if you want. Parker Ride to elaborate on that. Definitely hit us up on Twitter, but I'm joined by Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing? Doing good. Yeah, like you said, I'm kind of digging into these guys, and now that they're attached to roles, it's kind of fun to see or project where they could, you know, end up in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, perfect time to do this. And we were even talking yesterday, Parks. I think it is either before or after we recorded the quarterbacks one. Um, we were just talking about how, like, guys were being drafted for roles, not really, like, Good teams aren't out there really taking a call, like best available player, like for the Colts, a GM, what Chris Ballard, he was just saying like, yeah, like we were drafting guys like to fit our, we don't care like where anyone else has them, but uh, we're going to get into tight ends here, Parks. Uh, we can start with the guy that went eighth overall to the Lions, TJ Hawkinson from Iowa Parks. Um, I mean, they, you know, spent huge draft capital on him, you know, eighth overall to, to take him. Um, he's going to be a feature part part of that offense, you know, with Patricia coming over from New England and the tight ends we know they've had there and the success they've had. He's a, he's a do-it-all parks, but how do you see this going for him? Yeah, and you know, you can go back and listen to, you know, my thoughts on Hawkinson and a lot of people, like you said, are going to say, hey, that's some pretty high draft capital, but I did kind of view him in that role. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, how much does a, you know, because one of his better attributes is blocking, and they say, you know, well, how much does blocking kind of, you know, how impactful is that? I think in today's NFL, it's absolutely huge to have a tight end who, you know, we've, we've talked about it on countless other podcasts when you can run and pass with this tight end, you know, to be versatile in what you do. There's so many tight ends in today's NFL that when they're on the field, you're not going to throw to them. Or there's so many tight ends in today's NFL that when they're on the field, they're not going to be able to block. To have somebody to do both, it actually is still, in my opinion, much more valuable than I think a lot of people are giving it credit to. And I compare it to, and I know some other people that are kind of smart and I respect it, you know, saying it's similar to Quentin Nelson and the people are saying, well, that's way too high for a guard. And, you know, you just talked about the Colts and, you know, that's way too high for a guard. And that's, you know, that's not how you do it. But there are a smart franchise and saying that this is the a defining player. Like this is a, the safest player. He's just clearly going to instantly step in and be really good at his position. You know, maybe top five, top ten at his position next year. And then for the, you know, it's just all pros and pro bowls from there forward. I mean, at, like at some point you have to say, you know, positional value be damned. Like we're adding the best player in easily the best player and that's I truly do think Hawkinson with his versatility with the fact that he is the the best blocking tight end and with the fact that he was on a team with Noah Fant that we just talked about and you know I was offensive coordinator I was quarterback like everything about Iowa was Hawkinson is the center of this offense not just blocking in the passing game Hawkinson is the center of this offense so he brings that blend of versatility and that's where I do believe that he you know I don't hate the value of him with the top 10 pick but um like you said, you know, you start to get into fantasy and, um, you know, ever since Matt Patricia has been hired, 
this thing is setting up for carry on Johnson, you know, to, I think he could be potentially, you know, a big time fantasy player when you start to look at it, you know, last year in the first round, they go and get a big blocking, you know, I think he's a center or a guard next year. Um, you know, they bring in some free agents in terms of blocking. They trade Golden Tate, you know, a receiver to get more of these two tight end sets on the field. Um, they give Jesse James $6 million, which is a lot for him, you know, but he's clearly a number two tight end and they just paid a number two tight end $6 million. I mean, the Ravens just paid their number two tight end $6 million. And that's where I'm going back to in this NFL to have chess pieces like this. Um, it is versus it, it, or it does matter. And these NFL teams are saying we're going to pay tight end twos $6 million. So to me, to have a tight end one in Hawkinson that makes this, you know, you can run these two tight end sets because, you know, Jesse James is one of those players that if he's your number one tight end, you're not really worried about him in a lot of facets of the game. But when you move him to tight end two, all of a sudden it does become more versatile. And because of Hawkinson and his abilities, you really, they're gearing up to run the football. Like I said, every move they've made in the past two years is that they want to run the football and they want to defend the run. You know, they brought in Snacks Harrison on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, throughout this draft, it even echoed that sentiment. So, I mean, the big winner is in fantasy, like you said, is on Johnson, actually. And um, we can just touch on Isaac Nada since we're on the Detroit Lions and where... Um, He's going to have, you know, he's going to compete with Jesse James. Really, you know, the way their tight end is going to work out is going to be Hawkinson one, Jesse James the tight end two, and Michael Roberts will actually be the tight end three who will probably mix in with goal line. So, I mean, Isaac Nata will probably end up on the practice squad, and they're really just going to want to work up his strength. They're going to want to put like 10 pounds of just like pure muscle on him. And then next year, he'll, I mean, he's in a similar mold to Michael Roberts and Jesse James. Long arms, can sit in a zone, can, you know, find the soft spot and make the play. So he's in the competition, but the fact of the matter is there's three clear-cut players ahead of him. So he's going to most likely wind up on the practice squad, but that's where Hawkinson winds up is that he's an impact player. And like I said, I think he can be, we're going to look back, you know, like you, you know, a lot of people said Quentin Nelson, sixth overall, that's crazy. And then 10 weeks into the season, we're saying that was the best pick in the draft. You know, I'm, I don't know if, you know, Hawkinson will lead him to the playoffs or anything like that, but I think we're going to look back and say, you know what, at the end of the day, with all these risks and all these busts that Hawkinson was absolutely worth it. Yeah, absolutely, Parks. And uh, his teammate, Noah Fan from Iowa as well, went 20th, 12 fixed layer to the Denver Broncos. Parks on their roster right now. They have Jeff Ironman, Fumagalli, Jake Butt, Mark Hemingway. So he's going to you know slot in as a really nice pass-catching option there for Drew Locke or Joe Flacco. How do you see that going, Barks? Yeah, it's a nice situation for Noah Fant where, like you said, they've been looking for a tight end forever. And, you know, you can look at the draft classes. You know, uh, Hireman came in 15, Jake Butt in 17, Fumagalli in 18. Like, they're just consistently going back to the well. Um, in really the middle rounds, too, at this tight end spot, just looking for something, looking for something and uh you know what they did was i think and you know in this alternate reality it would be interesting to know if tj hawkinson fell to 10 if denver would take tj hawkinson there or if they still would have traded back with the steelers because a lot of people are saying you know oh if if the steelers didn't trade up for bush the denver might have taken bush or but what they truly wanted all along was that they wanted to collect a couple assets and Noah Fant was potentially their guy at 10 and they wanted you know they kind of knew he was going to be there at 20 so you trade back pick up a couple assets but like I said I think was Noah Fanther guy at 10 because TJ Hawkinson was their guy at 10 first you know so that's what I it would be interesting but I think that all along they were targeting tight end in the first and foremost and it goes back to you can listen to you know what we just said about Drew Locke on the last podcast was 
John Elway thinks he can win with Joe Flacco. So, you know, at the very start of it, that's, you know, what you have here. And, you know, what are some of Joe Flacco's best attributes? Um, Throwing the ball deep down the field, throwing the ball down the middle, you know, the seams of the field. And you start to say, you know, well, Dennis Pitta was one of his best players, you know, over the middle, tight end. Um, Todd Heap was in there. Um, And, you know, Anquan Bolden, even when Anquan Bolden was at his best, was, you know, kind of splitting the seams as a you know, almost a, you know, uh, undersized tight end or something along those lines. So Joe Flacco is always best throwing the ball deep over the seams. And what I talked about with Noah Fant on the podcast, you know, previewing him was, well, he's not a refined route runner. You know, he's, he's big and he's fast and he, he's a, you know, he drops a couple contested catches here and there, but he's big and he's fast and he can split the seams and he can go up and get the football and he can extend his arms. And he's actually an underrated blocker for what a lot of people think he is. So, I mean, you say, okay, with the underrated blocking and with the fact that, you know, whoever it be, all these other guys are mid round picks because they're pretty good blockers who aren't necessarily too efficient in the passing game. But I think Jake Butt has the best to be that tight end two, and like Phantom Butt might be better than, you know, like a Jesse James situation, you know, as a tight end two. So, you know, Jake Butt could step into that role as the blocker. And then Fant really, you know, like I said, he has a, enough blocking capabilities to where he can be a tight end one in the NFL next season, which is hard for a lot of tight ends to do is transition to blocking. But I think he, he's underrated in that regard. And I think they're going to use him like just as a seam splitter as a guy who just runs a bunch of goes over the middle of the field and you know you do have possession guys on the outside you know in terms of they retained Emmanuel Sanders they retained uh, Deshaun Hamilton and you know Cortland Sutton is another kind of big seam splitter Um, so I think you kind of mesh him and those guys together and I think that Fant is you know just purely drafted in terms of we've needed a tight end forever Joe Flacco needs a tight end he needs a seam splitter he needs a guy that can run deep and Noah Fant can do all of that so I mean it is a you know perfect fit despite his limitations as a player. It's a perfect fit for him. So it'll be interesting because um, it's tough to invi- invest in tight ends in year one. But like I said, I think they're going to be more than other teams. They're going to be inclined to get him on the field in year one. So, I mean, I compared him to Evan Ingram. And what I said about him and Evan Ingram is he's a less nuanced receiver, but a better blocker. So um, you can go look at Evan Ingram's rookie season and not many people have a rookie season as good of, as Evan Ingram. So it's it could be a good situation for fan to have a decent rookie season. Yeah, I agree with you, Parks. Um, next guy drafted was eighth pick of the second round. The Vikings took Irv Smith from Alabama Parks. I was looking, Kyle Rudolph obviously is there. He is in the last year of his deal. He's a UFA in 2020. Uh, then they have David Morgan and Tyler Conklin at tight end for the Vikings. So it's looking like they're you know, I haven't seen anything with Rudolph moving forward, but Irv Smith could be their guy, yeah? Um, one, David Morgan is just a very sound blocker. And like with that, I mean, you have a tight end three, maybe a tight end two who can get the job done as a sound blocker. But there's something interesting in Tyler Conklin, who um, Tyler Conklin, I think it was like his junior year. Or his It was his the year before he declared he had a really, really good year as a tight end for Central Michigan. And then he had a really down year, but he was dealing with a lot of injuries. And the Vikings took a shot on, on him in the fifth round. And he had a decent little rookie season. So, I mean, you're looking at this and saying, if you add Irv Smith, and the thing about Irv Smith is that um, he's undersized, but the big thing with him is he's 20, and he's really nuanced for how for a 20-year-old. You know, that's what you kind of get in there saying, and you say that if he can physically mature into a, you know, a bigger, more 
pronounced body, um, he might actually, you know, be a steal in that second round pick. He really might be because he could have some serious upside because like I said, he's a really refined blocker and he's a really good move player and that he can pull and that he can get to the second level and that he understands angles and everything like that in the blocking game. So that is where you start to say, well, he could, he could potentially get on the field early on. And he's a player that, like I said, with these motions, with these pulls, you could line him up on the H back and you can, um, you know, uh, have him roll out to the flats. And then that's quick little dump offs for Kirk Cousins. And what you really noticed with this team was, uh, you know, they're done with getting Kirk Cousins just like abused back there. You know, they invested heavy in their offensive line. They invested in a heavy running back and they invested in a very nuanced blocking tight end, you know. And like I said, David Morgan can already block and Tyler Conklin is already a fascinating option. So I really think that, you know, between Ir- you know, between those three, they can fill out a tight end room that, you know, Irv Smith is the move player, Tyler Conklin's the seam splitter, and David Morgan's the blocker. So now you have a piece in Tyler or Kyle Rudolph that, you know, what are you going to get for him? I'm not necessarily sure, but you have to start exploring the option of trading him because I think the other three are worthwhile of getting on the field. And like I said, because at least Irv Smith is so um, nuanced and his upside is so high that um, there's really something there to behold. So we're going to see what they do with Rudolph, but that's really how I see them really shuffling these three tight ends. You know, I don't think it's going to be a great fantasy situation because at the very best situation, Irv Smith is shuffling with three guys, you know, in the worst situation, four guys, and one of them's Kyle Rudolph. So that's where, you know, it's not great for fantasy. It shows what the Titans are going to, or the uh, Vikings are going to do as a team. And like I said, they're going to throw a lot more quick passes. They're going to get the ball out of his hands quicker and, you know, expose the flats more often. And they're going to run the football. You know, they're going to get really back to ground and pound and all that. So it speaks more to the Vikings philosophy than it speaks to fantasy. Parks and the next guy that was drafted at tight end, uh, Drew Sample from Washington. It looks like the Bengals listened to our preview podcast. We talked about how Drew Sample didn't wasn't getting enough love, and you weren't understanding that. But they took him twentieth pick of the second round. There, Parks. Um, they re-signed Eifert for a one-year deal. I mean, when he was healthy, he was crazy. But you can't really expect a whole lot from him. CJ Zuma had a nice year last year. Mason Shrek. They also have Jordan Franks. They have a bunch of tight ends on their roster parks, but how do you think Drew Sample fits in there? Yeah, and I mean, everyone talks about the Sean McVay coaches and thinks that, you know, oh, spread the field, 11 personnel, this and that, but McVay comes from Shanahan very first and foremost, and I think a lot of what McVay was doing was scheming around his talent and the players that he had, whereas, you know, in a perfect situation with a with a Shanahan type of coach, they want a lot of tight ends. They want multiple you know, players. And like I said, the versatility of being able to block and everything like that. And I'm saying this because, you know, their head coach is, you know, supposed to be one of these Shanahan or uh, McVay type of people. And, you know, he kind of is drafted more like a Shanahan in terms of, you know, adding what we said about Drew Sample was that like, he's safe, you know, that's what like we loved about him. And, you know, in the second round, do you draft the safe players? I mean, maybe, you know, uh, you know, like I said, with Hawkinson, you know, I think you draft tight ends early who are, you know, just could be instant impact game changers. You know, I thought Drew Sample was going to be safe in that he's just an instant blocker. He can get on the field as a blocker. But like you said, in a perfect world, you know, and it goes back to what I said with the Vikings, you know, 
CJ Uzoma could be your move player, your U tight end. Drew Sample could be your, you know, just in line. I think it's the F tight end. And then Eifert would be over the middle or he would be the F. Drew Sample would be the Y. Eifert would be over the middle as the F tight end. So that's, you know, and like I said, that's what a Shanahan type of coach would want. And that's what, you know, the Bengals are starting to look for in Zach Taylor is, you know, what he's looking for. So those are their three tight ends. And like you said, I think they're also looking at it and saying that tight end is an extremely valuable part of our offense. You know, we want three tight ends running, but at the very worst, we need two tight ends running. And CJ Uzoma is somewhat limited as a blocker to the point where you can kind of identify situations when he's on the field. So Drew Sample's ability to complement Uzoma and Drew Sample as a second round pick of a new regime could get on the field over CJ Uzoma. Um, And like I said, because to me, he comes in as just an easily refined blocker and he's going to, you know, just kind of sit in the soft spots and catch passes. So he's going to get on the field. Is he going to be a fantasy player? I mean, probably, you know, because tight end's such a bad position. And like the second Tyler Eifert gets hurt, Drew Sample's going to become fantasy relevant. But right now, I think all he is is the blocking tight end. And what they want to do is have three capable tight ends. And like I said, at the very worst, they're saying we can't have CJ Uzoma. And then, you know, you're starting to look down the roster and say, you know, we don't have anybody else. So you say Drew Sample at the very worst is so safe and he's going to get on the field as a rookie and he's going to start to implement some of our plans. So that's kind of where he sits in on this uh, depth chart. Moving on to round three there, Parks, where we had four tight ends drafted. The first one went in the fifth pick of the third round to the Jaguars, Josh Oliver from San Jose State. He slots in with Duff Swain, Ben Koyak, Farrah McKeever... James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, how do you think he fits in there, Parks? Yeah, and you have to go back to the fact that what the Jaguars did is, first they invested in John D. Filippo, and what John D. Filippo did was, he was the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia, got a head coaching job for the Vikings, it obviously didn't work out for them, but they went and got John D. Filippo, who is the guiding force of them getting Nick Foles. So you start to say, you know, talking about some Eagles stuff, you know, is he, you know, he's trying to draft a Zach Ertz type of player, and that's exactly what he has in a guy like Josh Oliver. You know, Ertz came out, he's not necessarily too refined as a blocker. He's a little too big, you know, not the fastest guy as a tight end, but he's a seam splitter, and he can catch passes over the middle of the field, and that's exactly, you know, what a guy like John D. Filippo is looking for in here. And, you know, you kind of highlighted some of the other guys that they have on this roster. I mean, they don't have anybody, you know, worth worth profiling. The Cincinnati Bengals, you know, let Ben Koyak go, and, you know, he's a tight end three at the best. Jeff Swain might be a tight end three at the best, you know? So I think the Jaguars are looking at this saying, no, we don't have anything here. We need a lot of players here. And this is a guy where you do look at, you know, Drew Sample's going to be stuck blocking. Irv Smith's going to be stuck in a timeshare. Josh Oliver is going to be catching passes from Nick Foles because Nick Foles is very comfortable throwing to his tight end over the middle of the field. Um, and John Filippo is comfortable dialing it up for him. And you start to look at some of the Jaguars receivers and you're like, well, you know, who's going to, you know, Josh Oliver is not going to lead the team in targets, but he could be a safety blanket for a guy like Nick Foles. Um, he's, his big issues are he's going to struggle as a blocker, but you know, like I'm saying, you're looking at these players, Jeff Swaim is in, you're not just looking at Jeff Swaim and you're like, well, he's going to get on the field because he's just a pure blocker, you know, who's better than him. You're looking at this saying there's nobody else. Josh Oliver has to get on the field or they're just going to be really like not smart coaches. So, you know, you look at Josh Oliver and you say, that's a perfect situation in terms of usage. The head coach and the quarterback know how to use you. And it's a perfect 
perfect situation in terms of even if he struggles out the gate, there's no competition for him. And the competition that's there for him is weak at best. So he really has a chance to make an impact early on in his career. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, big time, you know, plays over the middle of the field. He's not going to be, you know, a big time playmaker, but he's going to be a piece of this offense and he's going to be a starter in my opinion. And they're going to motion him into the slot and they're going to run him over the middle of the field and Foles is going to be comfortable throwing to him. So like I said, more, more than some of these other guys are fantasy. Um, he's a guy worth looking into this year. Another guy parks. I know that you're really interested in his landing spot. Seven picks later, 12th pick of the third round to the Packers. Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M went parks. At tight end, they have Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, Evan Bayless, Malcolm Johnson. I did some homework for you and went and looked. They have a potential out with Jimmy Graham in 2020. Dead cap hit of just 3-6-6. So how do you think that's going to play out there, Parks? Yeah, I mean, this is Jimmy Graham's last season on the Packers. And if if he makes it to the season, you know, like you said, they drafted Jay Sternberger and they're going to use him. And this goes back to, you know, all the way, um, whatever their head coach is from the, you know, he was the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. Well, how does he get his job as the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans? He was a Sean McVay guy who's a Shanahan guy and they're all drafting tight ends now, you know. So um, Jay Sternberger is going to, you know, he's their tight end, you know, potentially for the future. And this is a team that wants to use use a tight end. One of the things that derailed the Titans season last year was week one, Delaney Walker gets injured, you know, so all of a sudden the Green Bay Packers potentially have something here. And, you know, he walks into the season and I mean, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, walks into the season as a potential upgrade as a blocker from Jimmy Graham, you know, that's, that's where you start with. And Mercedes Lewis is the blocker on the team. He's a very strong, competent blocker. As a tight end, too, he's about as perfect as you want to have for a player. So, you know, you didn't draft Jay Sternberger to be your tight end, too. You drafted him because he's a better blocker than Jimmy Graham. And, I mean, at this point in his career, <laughs> you know, you're not really – you're splitting the atom in terms of athleticism, um, in, in terms of route running, in terms of, you know, all these things. You're potentially leaning towards Jay Sternberger because Jimmy Graham – is just an older player. He suffered, you know, a patellar tendon injury. He suffered a lot of these injuries. He is, he could be a seam splitter player, but he's going to be a red zone player who I think the Packers are going to try and ship off at, you know, any potential chance that they can get. So Jay Sternberger... If Jimmy Graham starts the season, regular season on the Packers, it's going to take some time. But I think there's going to be a real chance that some team in the middle of summer is going to throw, you know, a 2020 sixth round pick for Jimmy Graham. And that's all it's going to take to get him. But that means that Jay Sternberger is going to start because Mercedes Lewis is going to play a lot. But Mercedes Lewis is a perfect complement to Jay Sternberger. And the Packers are clearly going to want to use their... Um, tight ends more than they have been in the past and it's almost exemplified by the fact that they didn't draft a receiver this year and you know does that speak to their faith in St. Brown and uh, Valdez Scantling yeah it also speaks to well we're going to get two tight ends on the field a little bit more Um, maybe two running backs on the field a little bit more so there's Sternberg is another guy that you have to definitely pin your, you know, pin in and say, you know, next season there's a chance or um, don't draft Jimmy Graham in fantasy because he's not going to start very long. And, you know, I'm really I would be stunned if by the end of the season, Jay Sternberger wasn't starting over Jimmy Graham. So I don't know if it'll be does Jimmy Graham get traded? Does Jimmy Graham get benched? How does, does Jimmy Graham get hurt? I don't know. But Jay Sternberger, by the end of the season, will start over Jimmy Graham. And I would bet on it. I heard it here, here first there, Parks. We're going to move on to the next one. 23rd 
third pick of the third round, Kahali Waring of San Diego State, goes to the Houston Texans, where he slots in with Jordan Thomas, Ryan Griffin, Jordan Atkins, Darren Fells, Jarrell Adams. Parks, how's Kahali Waring? Uh, he's a little bit raw, but how does he fit in here? Yeah, he's super intriguing, and this is one where, like you said, Dynasty, you're probably all over it. Next year, you have to start reading practice reports and training camp because his upside is so much higher than every single guy that you just listed off. But... Every single guy that you just listed off is competent enough. And the thing with Waring was, you know, going back to our last podcast, he's raw. Um, He's raw as a blocker. He's raw as a pass catcher. His upside as a blocker and pass catcher is as high as it could be as high as Noah Fant or higher. You know, he could really be that type of player. Do I think it's going to happen next season? Not at all. So... For him, it's a good, it's a really, it's the perfect situation for him to get landed in because, like I said, there's enough competition that it's going to push him and it's going to make him a better blocker. And these players are going to help each other, honestly. You know, the competition always brings out the best in players. That's, you know, and that's going to happen with a guy like Collie Waring is all these other players. But at the end of the day, these are just guys, you know, and he has the potential. I know Jordan Atkins was a first round pick last year and he actually had a decent you know, little campaign and he could be a seam splitter, whereas Warren could be a better blocker. But Warren, like I said, at his upside, he's a seam splitter and a blocker. So that's what you really have with him. It's not going to be next year and it's going to, it's going to be a jumble next year and you don't want any piece of the Texans tight ends next year. But at some point, Warren's going to ascend and, you know, maybe it's like week eight or nine and you're picking him up because it's going to happen. But it's going to happen. And, you know, you start to look at some of the offensive pieces around him. It's perfect with, you know, if Kiki Cutie's in the perfect spot, he's like a jet sweep, you know, uh, lateral player. Um, Will Fuller's your vertical player. The issue is Will Fuller's always hurt. So Kiki has to be the vertical player. But, you know, whoever's there... Warring would be a perfect fit over the middle of the field with whether it be lateral or vertical, you know, if, if it could be both, it would be perfect because then he's the, you know, uh, vertical middle player. And then, you know, Hopkins is on the other side, just completely demanding attention. So you can do it. You know, it's a perfect fit scheme, roll, everything like that. I, it, he's just so raw that it's going to be a jumble next season. I do expect by the end of the year, he'll, he'll come to the top. But where I said, Hey, J- Jay Sternberger might force Jimmy Graham to get traded. I think that they're going to keep a lot of these guys, you know, they're going to keep four or five tight ends on the roster and just shuffle them and shuffle them. And for five or six weeks, it's just going to be messy. And hopefully Warring is the guy who, you know, comes to the top. Hey, Parks, moving on now. Uh, Dawson Knox of Ole Miss goes to the Bills, the 33rd pick of the third round. The Bills also drafted Tommy Sweeney, the tight end from Boston College, with the 14th pick of the seventh round. They join Tyler Croft, Jason Kroom. That's it for the Bills, uh, tight ends of their parks. Um, I know both those guys are pretty intriguing. So how do you think that's going to play out for them? Right. And, you know, these are situations, and I, I've said for years that tight ends aren't really going to get on the field. This is a really good tight end class when you break it down. And a lot of these players, beca- and it comes down to also, I think a lot of these teams want to have that second tight end in their arsenal. And this goes back to the very start. Jesse James gets $6 million. Nick Boyle gets $6 million. Um, TJ Hawkinson's a top 10 pick. Tight ends are valuable. You know, that's... that's that's what, and that's where I said, you know, the draft is when NFL teams are honest. You know, tight end stock is on the rise is what you really started to notice with some of these players. And it's because if you can get them in their versatile and their usage, Dawson Knox is an interesting player because he can get on the field right away. Why? Because he's a really refined blocker in the fact that Ole Miss barely even used him as a passer. You know, a lot of people are kind of 
you know, laughing at Ole Miss because of how limited they used him as a passer. Well, they had all these weapons. They didn't really have necessary, you know, they had a quarterback who went in undrafted and he went undrafted because he had, you know, four or five players get, you know, get drafted and he couldn't win anything with them. So Dawson Knox is an interesting player. The, you know, the question is, well, he went from an inaccurate quarterback at Ole Miss. How, you know, how accurate is his quarterback going to be in Buffalo? We're definitely going to see, but he's going to get on the field early because he's a refined blocker and he can pull as a blocker. So he's their number one tight end, in my opinion. I think number two would be Tyler Croft or Jason Kroom because Jason Kroom was really nice as a move player. And, you know, you're starting to say, put all the pieces together. Kroom's the move player. Knox is the blocker. Is Croft that seam splitter? I mean, not really. I think Knox could actually be that seam splitter, which is interesting to say because he comes in as a refined blocker. But I think that just speaks to the fact that he's their number one tight end, despite the fact that he's a third round player with limited production. It also speaks to the fact that this is how bad the Bills were on offense last season. That, you know, whatever third round tight end they drafted was probably going to come in and be, you know, a significant player for them. So Knox could potentially be the seam splitter. And that does put Tommy Sweeney in an interesting spot where he can be a blocker and he can be a player who sits in zone. And I mean, at Tommy Sweeney's ceiling, does he profile as Tyler Croft? You know, that's about what you're looking for. So he could potentially get an up, you know, potentially get a younger version of Tyler Croft. And that could be, you know, Dawson Knox, Jason Kroom, Tommy Sweeney could be your three. But I wouldn't bank on Sweeney yet. I would bank on Dawson Knox probably by August will be their tight end one. It's just, yeah, for fantasy, are you really going to be too intrigued by it? I'm not really going to be. I would be more intrigued by um, just you know, having my eyes on the waiver wire for Kahale Waring or somebody like that. So that's just how I feel about that. But I do think that Knox is going to get on the field early and tight end is a position where players just don't get on the field early. So like I said, it just speaks to the class. Parks, the next one taking the 19th pick of the fourth round, the Jets take Trayvon Wesco from West Virginia. He was their uh, hybrid fullback tight end in that spread offense. They ran down there like six, three, like a little bit. I think he's almost two seventy. He was a big dude. But uh, he slots in with the Jets with Chris Herndon, Eric Tomlinson, Daniel Brown, Jordan Leggett, and Neil Sterling. How do you think that's going to fare out for him, Parks? Yeah, protect uh, Sam Darnold at all costs, you know. And, hey, Wesco, he might be. There might be something more there as a pass catcher. I know a guy like Matt Waldman's pretty high on him as a pass catcher, so there's something to look into there as a pass catcher but at the very worst he's a like an extra tackle or he's a player that could be a fullback you could slide him into the h-back role you can motion him and um i think this is also good news for Le'Veon bell you know lead the way for Le'Veon. um be the roosevelt knicks for Le'Veon. a player like that is trayvon wesco and you absolutely saw him paving the way for um the running game in that regard as well and you look at the jets offensive line and they were trying to trade down from three for a while and they ended up just taking the best player available i think because they were trying to trade down and said, hey, we're just going to take the best guy. So um, they were trying to trade down because they're saying, we got to fix this offensive line a little bit. Well, a guy like Wesco at least you know, helps the offensive line in terms of Jordan Leggett is not a blocker. Chris Herndon is not a blocker. Um, you know, you start to go down the list. Eric Tomlinson could be a blocker, but I think at the very core of what you're looking to do is Herndon is your, you motion him into the slot. You use him as a slot player over the seams, but Wesco is your blocker. And Wesco is a player who, like I said, can pull, you can motion him into the fullback role, H back role, everything like that um, can help on screen. So he's, he's not going to be a relevant p- fantasy player. Chris Turned in, and I think that the fact that 
Chris Herndon doesn't have to block as much as he would have if, you know, because like I said, Leggett is not a blocker. Um, it would really have to be, Tomlinson would have to be the main blocker. The fact that Wesco could step in and potentially be the blocker opens up Herndon to more snaps in the slot, and that could make Herndon more valuable in fantasy. And like I said, I think the best player for Trayvon Wesco is Le'Veon Bell, so that's where I stand with that. Yeah, Parks, the Oakland Raiders with the 35th pick of the fourth round take Foster Moreau. Um, you know, Cook was a big part of their offense last year for, for Derek Carr, you know, the dump-off route. They use him a lot, mismatches. Um, he joins Lee Smith, Derek Carrier, Luke Wilson, and Darren Waller. Um, how do you think that's going to fare for him? Looks like a pretty good fit for a sleeper tight end that we like Parks. Yeah, another situation. I mean, it's it's crazy the way that it kind of worked out. And it's just another situation where, similar to Dawson Knox, he's a pretty good blocker. And that's where, you know, Luke Wilson, I think, is going to get on the field a decent amount as a blocker. Lee Smith is going to get on the field a little bit as a pass catcher. Um, Derek Carrier can block as well. So this might be another situation where it's going to be messy for a little bit at first. But I do expect a guy like Foster Moreau, the cream, to kind of rise to the top a little bit. He's an athletic player. He's a player who wasn't used in the passing game nearly as much. And you kind of think, you know, a a decent comparison to him or, you know, a decent outcome for him would be a guy like Luke Wilson. So you could see him potentially learning from Luke Wilson as a rookie, potentially stepping into a role and potentially being better than him because you didn't see the best of him as a pass catcher in college football. I think you could, you know, maybe, you know, worst case scenario, he really is just a guy that... Due to listen, these aren't three great NFL players, but it's three NFL players nonetheless. So if Foster Moreau shows up and you say, "Oh, this is why LSU wasn't using you in the passing game," you know you're struggling to pick things up. Um, it may not work out. That's an outcome. Luke Wilson type of career is an outcome, but also an outcome is he gets on the field because he's a refined blocker. He starts as a rookie, and like you said, they used what's his name so much, Jared Cook so much that all of a the sudden they're looking at him and saying, "You're athletic enough, and you weren't using the." passing game enough, but we're going to give you a chance out on an island against a safety. And, you know, if it works out for him, all of a sudden he does become that Jared Cook role for them. I think they are going in a slightly different direction as an offense, but the fact of the matter is he he can block and that puts him right in competition with these other four players. So um, another one where it's, you know, it's not going to be great for fantasy, especially because of the mess, but it also is a situation where two or three weeks into the season, you could be saying, oh no, we're going to pick up Foster Moreau off the waiver wire because he separated himself from these guys. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. I think that competition and seeing how he compares to Luke Wilson will be interesting. Yeah, Parks, next guy on my list here with the third pick of the fifth round, the Pittsburgh Steelers selected Zach Gentry from Michigan. Uh, big dude, really raw though. Um, I believe he went to Michigan as a quarterback, but he joins Vance McDonald and Xavier Grimble, who are pretty established with the Steelers there. Uh, how do you think he's going to fit in? Be a little bit of a project, but the upside looks like it's there. Yeah, he reminds me very much of Jesse James, who they just obviously lost to the Detroit Lions. Um, and that's, I mean, I think his ceiling is Jesse James, and that's about as good as it's going to get. And I honestly think, you know, like you said, he's a project, but I think next year he could potentially be that role. Um, that, that would be perfect for the Steelers. That would be absolutely what they're looking for. Um, a lot of people don't think he's as good of a blocker as probably I do. I think he's a little bit more refined as a blocker than some people think. I think the thing is you got to get him in the weight room a little bit. So that's, you know, that's what you got to do. But 
like you said, I mean, Vance McDonald's the starter. They need a Jesse James replacement. The thing with Jesse James, and I've highlighted it a lot, is he's not very good. You know, um, he's, he's just like an average blocker. He's a tall person who can extend his arms and be used in the red zone, um, can sit in zone a little bit, can do, I mean, just enough after the catch, but isn't going to break tackles. I mean, you could get that with Zach Jet Zentry. You really could um, potentially next season. Another person to look out for is Jake McGee because he's coming off an ACL injury. And like you said, if, if Gentry is, um, as Ron really can't handle it physically as a blocker, you're looking at Vance Grimble and Jake McGee would be the other guy. Um, so that's really where they stand. I mean, at best he is the second tight end who's going to put up, you know, go look at Jesse James's rookie year numbers and that's the best you're going to get for him as a rookie. So it's not a fantasy thing, but, um, and then, yeah, at the worst, he's on the practice squad and Jake McGee's in there. So that's about what you get with that. Parks. Next up, we have Caden Smith from Stanford goes to the 49ers, stays in state there. Third pick of the sixth round. He joins George Kittle, Garrett Selleck, and Ross Dwelly. Um, you know, they got Kittle there. Huge part of their offense. Awesome player. Caden Smith's really, yeah, he's going to be a blocker, Parks. So how does he fit in with that offense? Yeah, I think um, potentially if he exceeds expectations, you're moving on from Garrett Selleck. I think his upside is similar to a guy like Garrett Selleck and that, hey, he's a refined blocker who can come in, who can stick his nose in the blocking game. And every once in a while, Shanahan, due to schemes, can slip him open and he'll take off for, you know, a big gain. And he can work. You know, he's smooth with the ball in his hands. He's not overly athletic whatsoever, but I think it's going to take him one year. So I think and, you know, they said that Jalen Hurd might be a tight end too so um we'll see about how you know how that works but I do think I wouldn't expect much from him at all as a rookie um like I said at best I would expect some Garrett Selleck type of plays from from him as a rookie and that's really that's that's as good as you're going to get as a player like Garrett Selleck for his career so yeah it's more interesting to see that you know what's Kyle Shanahan talking about Jalen Hurd as a tight end yeah Parks uh, moving on here we're going to go to Alizé Mack of Notre Dame goes to the Saints with the 17th pick of the seventh round. He joins newcomer Jared Cook, Josh Hill, Dan Arnold, Nate Wozniak. Uh, how do you think he slots in there, Parks? Yeah, he's a player who has all the upside in the world, but he just, to me, has always lacked like a, like an intensity a little bit or like lacked a dog in his tape a little bit. And, you know, hey, that's why you slide to the seventh round, despite the fact that a lot of people were talking him up a lot higher than the seventh round. That's exactly why stuff like that happens. Um but despite that, he's in a really good situation in the fact that he's not going to do anything next year or they shouldn't want him to do anything next year. Um, Dan Arnold is Dan Arnold. You know, he's, he's just a guy. Um, you know, he's like the definition of Dan Arnold. Uh, Josh Hill is a pretty good blocker. And then they signed Jared Cook, who like... Mac should make Jared Cook his role model and just like study Jared Cook and spend an entire year. And Sean Payton, uh, Sean Payton, like before the NFC Championship, went into the Saints locker room and just put like a, a million dollars in cash in a Super Bowl ring to motivate his team. He should put a, like a, a what a six million dollars because that's what Jesse James just got. He should put six million dollars in cash and put that in. Je- uh, Alize Max Locker and say that if you study Jared Cook and if you become Jared Cook, this is what you're going to get in three years. Um, and I mean, that would entice me to really do something. So we'll see if they can get it out of him. It's not going to happen as a rookie year. And it just comes down to if he wants to do it. Um, but I mean, Jared Cook is a veteran player who's getting paid to teach a seventh round pick. And like I said, Sean Payton is a guy who will go 
uh, you know, to the extents to make it happen. So it really couldn't be a better spot for him, but it's still, the bust rate is so high for him. Parks, like you said, that's why he, he fell into the seventh round there. I mean, he's a really impressive athlete, but we can move on to the last tight end that was drafted. Caleb Wilson from UCLA goes to the Arizona Cardinals, another weapon for Kyler Murray, uh, he goes 40th pick of the seventh round there. They have two really nice athletes in Charles Clay and Ricky Seals-Jones. Also joins Daryl Daniels there, Parks. Um, they're probably not going to need him this year, but how do you see his uh, NFL prospects? Right, and you know, the thing with him is he's not a blocker whatsoever. So, I mean, at the worst case, he actually could compete with Ricky Seals-Jones in terms of he's more athletic than Ricky Seals-Jones. Ricky Seals-Jones is a much more physical person than him. So that's where, you know, in training camp, I think, you know, he would win a lot of these dogfights and things along those lines. But could he come in and compete with Ricky Seals-Jones? Yeah. And is the fact that, the Cardinals are going to throw the ball more than anybody, you know, next year, they're going to throw the ball a lot and they're going to spread the ball out and they're not going to need blocking out of their tight ends. They actually want seam splitting out of their tight ends. Um, does that make Caleb Wilson interesting? Yeah. It's I'm, I wasn't a big Caleb Wilson fan before the draft and, you know, fall into the seventh round. He's another player who has the upside of, you know, a guy like Josh Oliver who went in the third round, but he's in the seventh round for a, a reason that I kind of saw that coming and he's not not in a situation where, like I said, Sean Payton and Jared Cook, you're just like, wow, that's really good. Ricky Seals-Jones does not want to teach, you know, uh, Caleb Wilson anything. Ricky Seals-Jones wants to beat Caleb Wilson out because there's a lot of money on the line. And, you know, also Cliff Kingsbury, rookie coach, it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, Charles Clay is a really good veteran and he will teach him how to play. It's just, in my opinion, um, I would bet on Ricky Seals-Jones over Caleb Wilson, at least in year one, or at least um, just until I see otherwise. So that's just where I stand. And that does it for the tight ends that were drafted. Are there any UDFA guys that you kind of thought were interesting? Um, I know Dax Raymond went to the Bears. That's like the first one, kind of the only one that stands out to me. But um, he went to the Bears, and it's funny because I said that usage-wise in the NFL, a good application for him is Trey Burton, who um, Trey Burton was used a lot and then suffered some injuries. So uh, that's kind of just a long-term Trey Burton plan, in my opinion. Some people think he could make the roster. I think he's practice squad until Trey Burton gets hurt. But he also was a player who um, a lot of people thought could be drafted. But another one because of blocking fell down the draft board. So we'll see. That's that's where he is, is, you know, he's kind of Trey Burton insurance, in my opinion. Parks, and that does it for the tight ends that were drafted. Uh, like I said, we we're going to be going through at least wide receivers and running backs, you know, just kind of talking about where guys land because we talk about how, you know, scheme and situation really matters for, you know, these guys' prospects doesn't you know some of these guys if they go to different situations they could have a way better career so we're going to talk about you know where they fall in and how their NFL prospects really look we already did quarterback so if you missed that one be sure to check it out and Parks do you have anything that you want to add no yeah that's it we'll talk to you guys next time all right guys see you next time